Welcome to the Subtle Cane Podcast. I'm your host, Aaron Smith, broadcasting from the Aorta of America, beautiful festival city, Oshkosh, Wisconsin, where we pump out reason and pierce through the propaganda. Here we go. Today is Monday, July 18th, 2022. Yes, I'm a day late and a dollar short, as they say. I have to apologize to those of you who actually are loyally listening to new episodes on Sundays as per the usual schedule. Uh, I'm not going to lie, there was there was just no way it was going to happen uh, on time this week. I had to, uh, well, in any event, it, I was studying for my boards and, and all that, and I just had to put my energy elsewheres. So, not that... You all aren't a priority to me. It's just uh, that was a big, that was a big deal. So for a variety of reasons, really, uh, life just didn't permit me to responsibly finish on time. So that being said, glad to be able to get this out. I've also uh, recently been given a, a work schedule, a new work schedule, and that has me working every other weekend. Unfortunately, the weekends I'll be working are the ones I was releasing episodes on. Um, with the bi-weekly release. So I'm going to reboot, reconfigure, and reschedule. That means in three weeks. I just need a little time to... Well, I need, I'm need. i taking three instead of trying to do uh, one next week. So in three weeks, I will release the next episode. And from there on out, then, uh, we'll return to bi-weekly episodes, and it'll be on my off weekends so I can devote more time to it. I suppose I, I could have recorded and released something um, for yesterday. I'd rather take a little more time and honor your time rather than just put something out for the sake of putting something out, uh, which is why I want to take those three weeks in order to uh, fire back up with bi-weekly schedule. So this is episode 31 of the Subtle Cane podcast, Angry Chair. I was sitting in the sauna where I go swimming today, and I had the fortune to meet a young man who was reading uh, Marcus Aurelius's book, Meditations. He looked to be like in his 20s, I'd say, eh, but I was impressed to see someone of his age reading ancient Roman philosophy, in print no less. Uh, we had a brief discussion about philosophy. I shared a little bit about my interest, including the study of totalitarianism and sort of the precipitating social societal factors that allow for its development. But this got me thinking about the difference between totalitarianism and dictatorships. And the main distinction that sticks out to me is the fact that dictatorships are a function of brute force and subjugation through violence and fear. Whereas we can say that totalitarianism, though rife with brute force and fear, are not necessarily as much a function of these elements, rather that these elements manifest themselves as a function of totalitarianism having taken hold. Let me put that another way. Dictatorships are a top-down structure that inflict the will of the dictator on the people, whereas totalitarian regimes are a bottom-up structure that causes a society to seek out a leader or leaders to help them justify the masses' will on the will of the dissidents. It, it's more grassroots in origin. It's not to say that, that there are not people 
who are fomenting the conditions necessary for totalitarian regimes to take over. Um, there are always power-hungry opportunists waiting in the wings for an ideal set of conditions to insert themselves in positions of power. So I recognize, I recognize that there are people pulling strings with an agenda. We have the technocrats. We have the, just the globalist um, mindset. We have all these eco-warriors. We kind of have the World Economic Forum, IMF. These, these people that are pulling strings because they want control. But that cannot, in and of itself, explain what we see in culture, in society. And so today, as I reflect on the cultural trends we're seeing, like the hyperpolarization of political parties, uh, the trans agenda, the abortion debate, and the subsequent outrage or celebration over the overturning of Roe versus Wade in the Supreme Court here in the States, I get the sense that people are really not even having conversations about their disagreements anymore. And I'm wondering, I'm wondering if that's, if that's what you're seeing as well. You can email me at subtlecane at protonmail.com. That's subtlecane at protonmail.com. I'd love to hear what you're seeing out there. Um, I get the sense that people are really more interested in talking at each other rather than to each other. And I get it. Many of these issues are quite emotionally charged. They really are. And, and with a media hell-bent on stoking the flames of discontent rather than finding common ground, I mean, who's, who's going to be surprised by that? Maybe, maybe that is something that needs to be further addressed. Is the media, and I mean mainstream media, alternative media, and social media, specifically and consciously working to divide us? I know, as I said, I know that there are certainly bad actors in every kind of media. Probably much of what we see is intentional for ideological reasons. There's certainly that. But what about the financial benefit of incendiary commentary and the clickbait trap, as I like to think of it? Let's say I put a, uh, a video up on social media and I give it a title that's guaranteed to either anger or elicit camaraderie in a group of people. Will I not be rewarded with a much higher likelihood of views? I think that's a fair argument. And maybe it's also obvious that you're not even interested in the question. But if we extrapolate the issue, the implications are rather profound, I believe. Because human beings are very tribalistic. We want to feel safe. We want to belong. And part of feeling safe is being able to count on a certain amount of predictability in life. Maybe that's the majority of it. Peer pressure is a real thing. It's a trade we make. We trade some of our individuality for a sense of belonging. Imagine a society where person-to-person -person interaction is drastically on the decline due to technological advances that make in-person interactions less and less necessary for everyday life. And in this society, you can feel as though you belong via virtual relationships with people who agree with you on more and more topics and areas of interest. And this is another example of a positive feedback loop. It feeds upon itself. I really like podcasts, you might have guessed. One podcast I used to listen to had this kind of online discussion site that really could be probably categorized as a social media. Um, I believe the intent was more along the idea of an online discussion forum, but Technically, I think I even asked the guy on there once, is this a social media? And uh, 
the consensus was it, it probably was more social media than just a discussion forum. But the participants on the site spent most of the time discussing current events and how they align with the biblical narrative. But they also had, you know, some further out there sections devoted to things like flat earth or whether the COVID-19 vaccine was the mark of the beast from the book of Revelation. Not going to lie, some of it was pretty far outside my particular wheelhouse, but I found it interesting. I thought it was interesting. Sometimes downright outlandish, but interesting. The reason I bring this up is because it really struck me how people who had such, shall we say, divergent perspectives could find each other and have a space where they were able to converse about topics that probably wouldn't make it past the first 10 seconds of a conversation in most public settings. And I appreciated the novelty um, of that fact. I didn't see any harm in their theorizing about alternative viewpoints about the universe. I, I really didn't. The main reason I stopped visiting the site was that I, I just didn't feel I had time to spend entertaining myself with the conversations. And I started to feel more like a, a voyeur than a contributor. And that, that kind of felt disrespectful to the people who were there to genuinely converse. Apart from that, though, I was also taken back by the amount of conviction some of the most frequent posters had about the various topics they were interested in. There was like a real sense of indignation when someone would try to ask certain members of the community to provide evidence for their beliefs. It was as though they felt they were above reproach. Threads would go from lighthearted and informative to downright accusatory and bordering on vicious at times. And this from a quote-unquote Christian forum. Trolling. That's what the kids are calling it now. Just kidding. I know what trolling is. But I share this as an example of the tribalism found in just one small site. Thing is, there were only a few people on the thread that really conducted themselves quite poorly uh, and aggressively like that. But they'd managed to really dominate the narratives being put forward in a way that allotted for very little dissent really put the crack down. Huh. To me, it was a, a microcosm of what we see amongst the rest of society now. A very small minority of voices controlling a hugely disproportionate amount of influence on the majority. That combined with a readership whose interest already confined them to a very small corner in the overall ability to discuss their interest was alarming to say the least when I thought about the wider implications for society. I'm going to go ahead and step out on a limb here and use the trans agenda as an example of how this is happening in, in larger society. As I've stated in the past, I'm a Gen Xer, 45 years old, and uh, I can remember a time when there was no talk whatsoever about trans. I mean, there was always the understanding that people occasionally, exceedingly rarely, had a gender dysphoria. There was always the understanding that there were some effeminate men and masculine women, and that gender really did kind of have a certain fluidity to it. If you were talking about strictly how people dressed or carried themselves and, and things like that, I didn't have any particular feelings about it one way or the other. I guess I, I guess I probably just thought it would be terribly sad to have to feel ostracized and alone if, if I didn't feel like I fit into society for that or however other many reasons. I know there was many times in my life I didn't feel like I fit in, especially 
when I was young, like as a child and as a teenager, extremely awkward and uh, just terrible. I, I wouldn't suggest being a teenager. <laughs> I feel terrible for teenagers. Anybody who says that like those were the golden years of their life, I, I'm pretty sure forgot what it was like to be a teenager. So for the most part, though, kind of a non-issue back then. Just, And I'm not that old. I'm not that old. But this predatory insistence on indoctrinating people into an ideology that promotes the mutilation and chemical castration of children that we have now, uh, I think that it's absolutely appalling. I'm just going to go ahead and say that. Maybe some ruffled feathers. Again, just calls it like I sees it. What's happened to us uh, as a society? I mean, what, what's really happened to us when we get to a place where we're suggesting children are mature enough to make permanent medical decisions? I mean, we don't let children vote. We don't let them smoke, drink, decide whether or not they want to go to school or drive amongst a host of other things. How can we honestly say that the trans movement is not overtly hurting our children? And why aren't more people willing to say anything? I, I bring this up because, well, for one thing, I, I find it, as I said, appalling because of the you're so confused as, as a kid and as a teenager. And there's so many, especially with the hormones, with puberty, that there's so many things going on to take advantage of that and, and to foist an agenda on someone and, and permanently alter the, the their bodies in ways that just exclude the idea of procreation if they choose to do that later in life i absolutely abhorrent uh, as far as i'm concerned but the reason the reason i really bring this up is i think it's a it's a symptom of a greater problem one that played out through the course of the covid debacle as well and that's the consolidation of thought that we're seeing in society i think that's one of the main reasons why i believe we're running headlong into a situation where totalitarianism will take hold. It isn't okay to allow a small minority of ideologues to force feed the rest of society their ideologies. I've said this before in, in many different ways, but the reason why I do this is because I want to inspire others to speak out when they see something that they feel is wrong. And I also want to encourage people to have conversations with people in their lives about varying positions, contradicting positions even totally contradicting, still have the conversation. We have to be able to talk to each other. We have to stop seeing disagreement as a bad thing, as a forbidden thing. We can disagree. It's okay. Maybe you disagree with my assessment of the trans agenda. Maybe you think I'm out of my tree, as one of my old friends likes to say, when it comes to COVID and the vaccine narrative. Maybe that's okay. I'm still going to treat you like a unique individual personality and I'm still going to do my best to love you and show you grace and listen when you speak, no matter where you are and what you believe. I want you to advocate for the right of everyone to speak their minds, even and maybe particularly when you disagree with them. I want to promote the idea that every time we try to silence a disparate voice because we don't like what they have to say, that we lose a little more of our humanity. See, I'm not calling for anybody to not have a platform to speak. But every time that we silence a disparate voice, we lose a little more of our humanity. Live, love, and speak truth. 
And don't let the mob silence you. Don't give in to the temptation to remain in the shadows and let others carry the burden. Now, I'm not talking about buying poster board and hitting the corner. I'm not saying everybody should have a podcast. I'm not even saying that you have to interject into every conversation when you hear something you don't agree with. I'm just saying that there are so many of us, so many of us, who look around and because we don't want to cause ripples or rock the boat, we stay silent when we should be speaking. And of course, all of this has some caveats. And the caveats go like this, and it's extremely important. We have to recognize and appreciate the intrinsic value of each individual. That's one of the main things that we need to do to combat this mechanistic, utilitarian approach to life that we're seeing. Being pushed by the clergy of scientism, by the technocrats, by the governments, by the globalists. We, get, we need to appreciate and understand that each individual has intrinsic value. And we have to enter each discussion honestly and sincerely. There are enough people out there screaming from the rooftops. There's enough screaming from the rooftops. We don't need to scream from the rooftops. We, we just need to enter the conversation honestly and sincerely. Another caveat, and I end with this quote from the book of James, chapter 1, verse 9. Know this, my beloved brothers, let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to wrath. If you want somebody to actually have a conversation with you, obviously the first thing you need to do is to be willing to listen. So be slow to speak and quick to listen and slow to wrath. Hear what the other person has to say. Think about it. Respond in love. But at least respond. The cost of silence, in the end, is much too high. For all you listening, you are valued, you are loved, and you are worthy. God bless, and good night. Dancing.